my worship. My worship is. Because of my worship. Sing that in your car. Lord, I'm grateful. I am grateful. So the scripture says for a few moments, Jesus says. says this represents my death, burial, and resurrection. The atoning sacrifice for each one of our sins. John says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Let us drink together. God bless you. Thank you so much. Let's put our hands together for our praise and worship team as they've celebrated. Come on, all your cars. Go ahead and hit that centerpiece. Love on them. Love on them. Thank you. We say thank you so much for those that are watching us online. If you would like to give to this ministry, you can contribute by up in the right-hand corner. There's a Givelify app. Go ahead. Look for the 8th Street Baptist Church, 1420 North 8th Street. There you'll find us. Please follow the prompts. We encourage you all that are there in your homes, members of our church, if you would continue. We need your support financially to continue to do the things that we're doing and continue to raise the standard and take God into people's homes. So we definitely need your support, and we appreciate your support. And to all of our fathers, we want to say Happy Father's Day to you. Real briefly, I want to say thank you to Brother Joe Strauss, who has brought his equipment out that has allowed us to stream. For you all that are there, we appreciate Brother Joe for, again, allowing us to, uh, for, for him to come out and provide services to us. Isaiah chapter 43, as you're turning, we want to say it's great to have Brother Isaac Cates, or our, our musician, and Brother Brian Smith, our organist, and to Brother Ashley Thompson. Let's love on them. Isaiah chapter 43, starting at verse 1. Starting at verse 1, Isaiah 43, verse 1. You'll find these words. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, who formed you, Israel, here it is, do not fear, for I have redeemed you, I have summoned you by name, you are mine. For emphasis and clarification, but now this is what the Lord says, he who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. 
I have summoned you by name. You are mine. May God have a blessing to the reading and hearing of his word. I want to talk about I am fearless. You are fearless. My faith is fearless. Again, I am fearless. You are fearless. Your faith is fearless. Isaiah, our writer who composes this 43rd chapter, captures my attention and captures your attention as he presents a double negative. Twice in five verses, he says, do not fear. English Bible, don't be afraid. What a word for a day like this. In the midst of everything that we have going on, Isaiah, over 2,000 years ago, picks up his pen and writes, do not fear, do not be afraid. He certainly did not know what was going on. He did not know about Minnesota. He does not know about the crimes, the injustices, the coronavirus. He does not know what's going on. But because God's word is prophetic, because God's word is true, he says, do not fear. English language, do not be afraid. A double negative means it could possibly add confusion to those that do not know exactly what is being said. So one would have to pay close attention to Isaiah chapter 42. But yet these few words in verse 1 says, I'm talking to those who are my servants, those who are my children, those who have allowed me to come into their heart, those who have allowed me to be their Lord and Savior, those who have allowed me to be their father and their protector, those who have allowed me to be their physician and their provider, he says, do not be afraid. Do not fear. I am with you. It's something that many of us have talked about God being with us, yet someone who is with you is not just by your side. It denotes that you're in a relationship with him. Now I say to you that many of us here know God for his works, know God for his power, know God for his presence and his provision, but have you taken the time to study your relationship with God? God Almighty. I'm not talking about what he does. I'm talking about your relationship with him. Here you are sitting in your car, sitting in your homes, at your tables, maybe watching me later on this evening. I want you to stop thinking about what's going on, what you don't have, what you do have, if you're going to work, if you are classified as essential or not essential, and just think about what does my relationship look like with God. God Almighty, have you thought about how God is faithful to you in spite of your unfaithfulness? Have you thought about how God is true to you in spite of our sometimes being wavering with our faith? Have you thought about God always making a way even though we sometimes allow doubt to come into our paths? He says, study the relationship. He says, don't fear. Because if you look at my relationship with you, you'll see my relationship is dynamic. He'll, he'll, you'll see that your relationship with God is surprising. You'll see that your relationship with God is intentional. Listen to me. Isn't it, isn't it something when you look at the intentionality of God that God purposely blesses you? 
that God purposely watches over you, that God purposely protects you, in spite of all of your shortcomings, God says your shortcomings will not alter my commitment to you. What a word. What a word of encouragement. What a word of consolement. No matter what goes on, it does not stop God from being committed to you. He says, if that's the case, how about you learn more about how I define relationship? Learn more how I call commitment. Because my, my version of commitment may not be the version God is using. Here it is. One more time. He says, don't fear. And another reason why he says, don't fear, is because God is solid. God's solid in loving you. He's solid in holding you. He's solid in consoling you. He's solid in providing for you. If God has always been constant, how about studying that relationship? The challenge is to look at God for where he really comes to minister. God ministers to your mind, your body, and your soul. I said your mind, your body, and your soul. Think about the times when your mind was at unrest and your mind could not find peace and God gave it to you. Think about how your body plays tricks on you and it does things and it sends you missed messages and yet God still puts it back together. Think about your mind, your body, and then there's your soul. How God picks you out of despair and picks you up out of depression and gives you something that makes you feel like going on. That's the kind of God that I invite you to study. Now hear me. Don't miss it. Yeah, God can provide. Yeah, God can protect. Yeah, God can, can go out and defend. But how about looking at why God remains constant? How about figuring out why God is faithful? How about figuring out why everything else is changing? Why is God still the same? He says, listen, if you don't listen, you'll miss it. It's right here in verse 43, verse 1. He says, but now this is what God says. I like that verse because so many of us are listening to other things. CNN. Some of us listening to NBC. Some are listening to CBS. Some of you listen to your councilman. But I come to tell you that there's somebody that you can listen to that no guile is found in his mouth. His tongue is not twisted. He does not speak out of the side of his mouth. I say look to God because God's word is true. Hear me. 39 books in one, in one commandment. 27 books in another. How about listen to what God has to say? Out of all of the verbiage that we're listening to, I want you to know that God's word is true. It has stood the test of time. And it knows every circumstance, every illness. He says, listen to me, God says. You're my people. I'm your father. I'm your protector. How about listening to me? This, theo this theologian, the uh, theologian says this. Before one can look for revival, one must first look for reformation. Before you can look for God just to turn things around, how about you start looking for God to tear things down and put things back together? How many you know that any time we try to build something, we build things incorrectly. But if we put our hands in the hands of God, God knows how to build marriages. He knows how to build families. He knows how to build jobs. He knows how to build an economy. He knows how to build doctors. He knows how to build scientists. I'm saying that we have a builder 
who knows how to make a city. The Bible says he is one that has made an internal city, not made by hands. Except the Lord build the house. They that labor, labor in vain. I like it. He says, I need you to listen to me in verse 1, part B. He says, Jacob and Israel. I like this contrast. Israel means you're chosen. Jacob means you're trying to get to cut a deal with God. Israel means I pulled you out of something. Jacob means I'm trying to trick and get some strings attached. Israel means you've always been mine. Jacob says, yeah, you're mine, but can I make a deal and try to twist things and get something as a, as a result of it? Jacob, the name means heel grabber. Someone who's always up to something. God says, friends, that's what many of us are. We have a dual nature. He says, one minute we're saying, Lord, I love you. Lord, I'll serve you. The next minute we say, Lord, I'll do all that if you do this. We say, Lord, I'll, I'll, I'll give you all of me if you do that. But what if God doesn't do what you've asked him to do? What if God doesn't sign up for the small print? I submit to you that he's still God. And since he's still God, he knows what's best for you better than you know what's best for you. I'm telling you, he knows your thoughts. He knows your minds. He knows your heart. He knows what makes you tick. He knows your hunger. He knows your thirst. How about us sitting here and trying to find out a God that made us so uniquely that each one of our hairs gray at different times, each one of our steps move at different paces. How about learn this God? Yet, he says, don't be afraid. I'm here to say to you with confidence, nothing is going to happen that God has not willed to happen. If it's not in the will of God, it will not happen. He says, I need you to listen to me. Verse 1, part B. Here's what he says, Beryl. Listen to me because you're mine. You are mine. You belong to God. Let me say that again. You are mine because you belong to God. Sandus belongs to God. Burl belongs to God. Ronell belongs to God. Clemmy Davis belongs to God. Listen, you belong to God. I wish I had some help here. Paul Burnett belongs to God. Jennifer Garrett belongs to God. But you think you're in charge. But did you put yourself to sleep last night? And did you wake yourself up? And did you dress yourself? And did you have the activities of your limit? I say no. God was the one that put you to sleep. And God was the one that wakes you up. Because he is in control. I, 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 I'm fascinated sometimes by the way Job frames his words. And Job says it like this. He knows the way that I take. God knows you and me have the tendency to wander. Wander off. You want to know what qualifies you to be a child of God? you wandering off. You're saying, Pastor, I don't wander. Well, the Bible says in verse 1, you are his. And how you know you're his is because he says, we, Isaiah, joins and puts himself in the passage like sheep have all gone astray. Not just you, 
but everybody here has gone astray. Let me say that again. Not just me, but you. All of us have gone astray. But can you look at your relationship and who do you know that you can do all the things you've done to God and yet God still be there when you need Him the most? Who do you know can make a promise and commit themselves to God and only to go the opposite way and God still be there for you? I'm just trying to get you to think that this kind of God you ought not just shout about, but you ought to say, I want to learn more of you. I want to know what you sound like. I want to know what's going on in your mind. I want to know how you've designed my steps. I want to know why I do this and why I do that. I want to know why you made me so quick-tempered and why you made my tongue so loose. I want to know why I love so hard. I want to know why I can't let go of things that are not healthy for me. God says, if you learn me, I'll show you why I made you the way you are. challenge is, the challenge is, is not to be afraid, not to tremble. Don't forget what God has given you. I'm preaching to folks that you possibly have hung up your quality of life because of fear tactics, because of what you've heard on color TV. You've hung up and joined the moment because you think that your time is at hand. Well, I want you to know my life is in the hands of God. That don't mean I'm going to go and be foolish. But that means I'm going to be faithful and careful. It don't mean I'm going to go out here and just mingle with everybody. But it does mean I'm going to be faithful and I'm going to be careful. See, faith is knowing what God can do. And faith needs an obstacle for God to move it. You don't know you have faith unless you have a mountain. You don't know you have faith unless you have a valley. You don't know you have faith unless you have a sleepless night. You don't know you have faith unless you have a doctor's report. But I come to tell you that when you stand in front of your mountain, you have a God that's waiting for you to do one thing, and that's speak to the mountain. Now, if the mountain don't move, it don't mean you can't climb it. If the valley don't be exalted, don't mean you can't swim through it. If the night doesn't get lighter, doesn't mean you can't wait through it. I'm just here to tell you we got people that don't know what God has put in them. And you are more than just a survivor. You are an overcomer. Don't be afraid. Be fearless. So then, so then let me wrap this up. Because, see, there's a difference between surviving and overcoming. You can survive and not have quality. You can survive and have quantity. But when you're overcomer, when you are an overcomer, when you are a overcomer, you not only have quality, but you have quantity. And you don't have to have a whole lot to have quantity. You can have a little bit of something and have good quality and quality. I wish I had a good church group here because I'm here to tell you that my best moments is when I didn't have what I thought I needed, but I had more than what I needed because I didn't know what I was made of. In your car, in your home, I ask you one question. Do you know what you're made of? You who are exiled, isolating yourself, do you know? What you're made of? Are you fearless in your prayers? 
Are you fearless in your scriptures? Are you fearless in your dreams? Are you fearless in your vision for life? Are you fearless for your future? I'm trying to close this up now because I'm not going to let today hinder my tomorrow. I know what today looks like, but I don't know what tomorrow looks like. I'm trying to preach to folks that know they got a future. I'm trying to preach to folks that know their best days are still ahead. I'm trying to preach to folks that know that after today, there's a Monday. And after Monday, there's a Tuesday. I wish you would just celebrate God for saying, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. But look toward the future like Peter, like Paul said, and press on. For a higher mark in Christ Jesus. But you got to be fearless. You got to be fearless. And let me wrap this up. I'm through. I'm through. Because many of us here, you forgot that you're a mountain climber. You forgot you swim through valleys. You forgot you're a midnight dancer. I'm preaching to folks that have been sick with cancer. But you, you decide that cancer ain't going to get the best of you. You're going to live with it. Yeah. It's okay if you got diabetes if you choose to live with it. It's okay if you have low blood pressure and high blood pressure if you choose to live with it. If David can live with his insecurities and his idiosyncrasies, if Moses can live with his shortcomings, if, if, if Abraham can live with his shortcomings, I'm here to tell you I can do it also. And you can do it because we're fearless. Listen, we have hope. We have love. We have peace. We have long-suffering. We have temperance. We have grace. We have mercy. Let me say it again. We have love. We have faith. We have temperance. We have mercy. We have perseverance. We keep on going because God don't make no junk. He gives you what you need to make it through the moment. I'm trying to get you to see when you leave here today, when you leave here today, you leave with a new attitude. I got a future. And since I got a future, since I have a future, I need to leave with a new determination. So with the words of this song, I leave you. And here are these words, some days are weary. And some ways, sometimes you can't see your way. Some nights are lonely, when no one can say. He says, you can make it. He says, don't think of nothing else. So wipe the tears from your eye. I like it. He says, God is on your side. The chorus keeps saying, God is on your side. And since God is on your side. What can man do to me if God is on my side? Some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but I trust in the Lord. Some put their faith in a White House, but I put my faith in someone who made the house. Some put their trust in their mother and father, but I put my trust in somebody who made my mother and father. Can you help me say, I trust in God, whether on land or on the rolling sea, I trust in God. I know, I know he cares for me. You may be here under the sound of my voice as our praise team comes. And I invite you to give your life to Christ. If you're on the stream, if you're on the webcast, you are a people.